there. Welcome to the Coronavirus Podcast. My name is Jasmine. I live in Dunedin. I work as a risk advisor, normally in an office, but I am currently working from home and doing my part to limit public contact with other people. I hope you're all doing well. Enjoy the show. Kia ora, Jasmine. Kia ora to everyone out there. We're going through a really tough time right now. It's a scary moment. If community transmission takes off in New Zealand, the number of cases will double every five days. If that happens unchecked, our health system will be inundated and tens of thousands of New Zealanders will die. This is the start of a marathon. We need to move fast, but we also need to be calm, careful and in control. The situation here is moving at pace and so must we. Yesterday, we found out how this journey is going to begin. Effective immediately, we will move to alert level three nationwide. After 48 hours, the time required to ensure essential services are in place, we will move to level four. We are all now preparing as a nation to go into self-isolation. So what does this all mean? Well, it means you need to stay at home. Don't go out visiting your friends or your family. The only people you should be in close contact with are the people living in your house. You can still go out for a walk to get some fresh air or to get some supplies, but just make sure you stay at least two metres away from anyone else. And also, this is really important, do not worry about food. The message has been clear, just shop like you normally would. Panic buying will only lead to shortages for others, and we all need to look out for each other. If you do not have immediate needs, do not go to the supermarket. It will be there for you today, it will be there for you tomorrow, and the day after that. We must give time for supermarkets to restock their shelves. There will be enough for everyone if we shop normally. Stock is not an issue in New Zealand. We will not run out of food. Same goes for pharmacies and banks and the post service. All those critical services will stay open. The bad news is non-essential businesses will not be able to operate while this shutdown is happening. Many of them will need to close, and that means a lot of people may lose their jobs. The government had already announced a wage support scheme for affected businesses to help people who will lose income. Now that scheme is being significantly boosted – Here's how Finance Minister Grant Robertson explained things. Cabinet today agreed to remove the $150,000 cap altogether. All businesses, self-employed, contractors and other organisations that I'll outline shortly will be eligible. Now that many New Zealanders may not be able to go to work for the next few weeks, our priority is ensuring they continue to receive some form of income through this period. We've also made a number of important changes to the scheme. Businesses that are less than a year old and firms that have had significant increase in revenue in the past year are now also eligible. Self-employed people with variable monthly incomes are also now eligible if they can demonstrate the revenue loss against the previous year's monthly average. The scheme also covers registered charities, non-government organisations, incorporated societies and post-settlement governance entities. The expansion of the scheme outlined today takes the estimated cost of the wage subsidy scheme from $5.1 billion to $9.3 billion. 
Mr Robertson also announced the government will do more to protect renters during this time by freezing rent increases and extending protection from no-cause termination. Right now, there are ongoing discussions on how they plan to protect the financial system, so more details about that are going to be released over the next few days. I want to say directly to employers and employees at this difficult time, please take the time to work through your options. Talk to one another, get in touch with your bank and together make a plan. We will make sure that all New Zealanders continue to receive some form of income through this period. The priority of our government is the health and well-being of our people and we will do what it takes to keep everybody safe. The other big news is around schools. Schools are remaining open today and tomorrow for the children of essential workers. But once we go to Level 4, they will all need to close. The school term break will be brought forward. For the remainder of the term, schools will establish ways to teaching online and remotely. All students across the country are currently being given information on this decision for their parents including the list of who is considered an essential service, this will be communicated directly to parents as well. Now, I know this is all a lot to take in for everyone. It's a huge step, and you're probably wondering, how long is it all going to last? Well, the Prime Minister says the best advice is that it will be at least four weeks, but really, that depends on us. The more strict we all are about sticking to the rules, the shorter this will last. Here's how Otago University epidemiologist Professor Michael Baker explained it on Morning Report yesterday. We have to remember that there is actually a light at the end of this tunnel and it's not a particularly long tunnel. That is the beauty of eradicating this infection. We know this from Wuhan. They are actually getting back in business now after two to three months. And the thing is, once you've eradicated the virus in New Zealand, it, it means that you're suppressing these chains of transmission because there will be community transmission at present. We can't track all these chains. But if you actually shut things down, then uh, clusters are basically, they, they can't go anywhere. So you might have a few cases in a family, but they don't infect other people. Mm. So the virus actually starts to disappear. It also gives us a chance to ramp up all those other critical things, more testing and more contact tracing, all of those things we need. And then we can actually imagine emerging from this process in a relatively short period of time. It'll be a new normal, but it will be Mm. much more manageable than shutdown. So what can you do to help us get through this more quickly? Well, there are a few key things. First, stay at home. Don't give this virus a chance to spread. You can go out for a walk, you can go out to pick up essential supplies, but do make sure you stay at least two metres away from anyone else. Second, help out your neighbours. Slip a note in their letterbox with your name and number, letting them know what you can do to help. The Prime Minister suggested starting a phone tree on your street. Set up a plan on how you can help each other out. Maybe you could offer to pick up groceries if people aren't able to go out themselves. Third, share good information. Don't spread rumours And don't post photos of empty shelves or big lines at supermarkets. Seeing those pictures only makes people more anxious and more inclined to start panic buying. We said this at the end of the last episode, but it's worth repeating. The most important tool we have against COVID-19 is our community. 
We all need to do our part to keep that community calm and unified. My new co-workers, aka my kids, are tucked up in bed right now as we're recording this podcast. Now, this is a reality for a lot of you. Many of us will be at home spending more time with our kids, and a lot of people are worrying about how to talk to children about coronavirus. So to get some answers, we set up an interview with child psychiatrist Dr. Haran Thabru from Auckland University. This was recorded before yesterday's big announcement, but he still has some really helpful advice for parents and caregivers. Well, there's quite a lot we can do, uh, and I suppose I could give sort of five key tips for supporting children's mental health um, to listeners who are uh, at the moment. The first would be to keep regular routines and schedules as much as possible, or to try and create new ones in a new environment if you are homebound, um, including time for learning, time for playing and relaxing, because routines provide structure and predictability, which makes kids feel safe. Um, Secondly, try to stay as calm as possible. That's probably easier said than done at the moment. But speaking calmly and trying to discuss your own worries with other adults out of earshot of kids is probably going to help them um, be less worried. Um, Remember that children follow your lead. Thirdly, limiting the amount of time you spend talking about COVID-19 or coronavirus. Um, Watching the news and checking information online would probably have helped both you, but also your children. I understand that information is useful and it can be reassuring, but too much information or the wrong information can also increase one's anxiety. And if your anxiety goes up, then your child probably will as well. Um, Fourth, give your child specific things they can do to feel in control, including washing their hands, eating well to stay healthy, taking their medication if they've got any illnesses um, already, getting lots of sleep and doing nice things for other people. Um, This could include making real or online cards or presents or sending messages to older people, including grandparents that they may not be seeing um, face to face or as often for a while. And lastly, try and be a good role model and let your children see you washing your own hands, relaxing and looking after your own mental health. It's helpful to create a menu of self-care activities that you enjoy, such as reading, exercising or talking with friends. These are different for each of us and we need to kind of work out um, the things that we can do in our current environment and model how we use those to, to children so that they start to do the same things. Because children are much more likely to learn by copying what you do than listening to what you say. Those are all great tips. In terms of limiting the physical contact, a lot of us are practicing social distancing now with other adults, but how do you do it with your kids? It's quite challenging, especially if you've got toddlers. How do you tell your child, well, we can't hug anymore and maybe I can't kiss you goodnight? Yeah, I think, I mean, according to um, the regulations and recommendations from the New Zealand Ministry of Health, um, it is still fine to have some contact with people who are living in your own household, including immediate family members. So at this stage, I'd say that um, there's no need for them not to kind of hug or kiss or contact you. It's more about kind of washing hands properly um, before they put their, um, before they eat, before they put their hands to their face and uh, before they kind of are in contact with other people as well. Um It depends on the age of your child, really. I think certainly for younger children, uh, probably saying less and just trying to develop some new routines with them is more important. For older children and adolescents, you might actually want to sit down and have a conversation to to address that. But it is certainly a challenging issue, um, for, and it's going to be a challenging issue, an increasingly challenging issue for many families over the coming weeks. 
Another issue we'd love to look at is that there have been a lot of racist responses linked to coronavirus. How do we deal with that? Mm. Indeed. Um, the first thing is to model compassion and non-racist, non-stigmatizing speech yourself. So um, you could avoid inadvertently stereotyping people or countries when you talk with children uh, or with other adults about what's going on. You could talk about people who get or acquire a virus, for instance, rather than talking about people who transmit or spread it to others. And avoid using hyperbole, such as talking about plagues and the apocalypse, because children will copy these. Um, secondly, provide accurate information about the virus. Explain that it originated from a geographical area in Wuhan in China, but that not it didn't originate in a particular race or ethnicity, and that viruses don't recognize race, ethnicity or nationality. You'd want to address any harassment or bullying that uh, is described by your child. Um, so if they have said or done something, either intentionally or inadvertently, let them know that it's not acceptable. If they've witnessed racism between their friends or classmates, talk about how they can deal with it if it occurs again. And if they've been, if they've been the victim of racism, make a plan with them about how to address it so that they don't feel ashamed and they don't have to avoid play, places that they usually go. Now, we've got some questions from some of our RNZ followers that have been sent in, and I want to put them to you. So the first one is, how do we talk to children who have disabilities that might make them immunocompromised? You want them to be careful, but you don't want them to feel more vulnerable. Yeah, well, I think, the, as I said before, for all children, you want to talk to them about what's going on in an age-appropriate way. When it comes to their illnesses um, and the impact of coronavirus, uh, you probably want to uh, reinforce the importance of them maintaining their health routines um, because it will keep them healthy and make them less vulnerable to coronavirus. Um, beyond that, in terms of talking about the impact of the virus uh, at, a, at a physical level, you might want to follow their lead. Some children will want to know lots of details about how viruses affect the body, and certainly for younger children, uh, the YouTube videos like the one created by Nana Girl Michelle Dickinson uh, are great to show them uh, and watch with them uh, so you can have a discussion afterwards. For older children, there might be other sources of information on the internet, but I'd probably vet these first before going through them with them. So try to answer questions in as comforting, honest and age-appropriate manner as you can. Here's another question that someone's put through to us. How do we help teenagers feel less anxious regarding COVID-19? Well, teenagers are probably more vulnerable to um, a lot of the content that's uh, available through the media and social media at the moment than, young, than younger children. The key thing is to follow their lead. Some people, whether they're um, teenagers or not, will want to know a lot of information and some won't. And it's best to tailor the information you provide a teenager um, to, to what they want, otherwise it can make them uh, more anxious than they were. Being honest, using reliable sources of information and undertaking um, projects or uh, constructive discussions to learn more together is probably the most useful way so that your teenager can see that you know what they know uh, and that you can also teach them how to discern between reliable and less reliable sources of information. Um, acknowledge the disappointment about things they've had, they might have had to miss out on and reassure them that it's temporary and talk about all the things that are happening to keep people safe and healthy, um, things the government's doing, things that are happening in hospitals and things that you can do at an individual and family level, including washing your hands, staying healthy, connecting with others and each other. Thanks, Dr Tharbu. And thank you all for listening. Don't forget, if you're worried you've been exposed, 
The first thing you should do is call the dedicated Healthline number. That's 0800 358 5453. We'll be back with you tomorrow. But until then, be kind. Kia kaha. The Coronavirus Podcast is presented by me, Indira Stewart. It's written and produced by William Ray. The executive producer is Tim Watkin. And our sound engineer is Rangi Powick. You can subscribe to the Coronavirus Podcast anywhere, and it's free. Just go to the podcast and series page at rnz.co.nz. And if you'd like to ask us a question or read our intro or just drop in with a message of support for your fellow Kiwis, you can do that through RNZ's Vox Pop app. It's free and easy to use.